What's up, gang? It's your boy, Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector. This is your professionals and animal lovers show, the pal show. I'm singing today. All right, so check it out. This is pals, professionals and animal lovers show. Here's the situation. I usually say like that song gets me like kind of mellowed and zen, but something about listening to our theme song today, sort of, I don't know, man, I'm going to call out Tony Robbins because it was like, it was like one of those Tony Robbins things, you know, like you know, the power within, unleashing the power within. I don't know. That's what I was feeling today. It was like, doom, 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 doom. That's what it sounded like. Well, that's what it sounded like it, as it as it left my speakers and entered my ears and into my head. That's what I, I heard. the same thing. See, what do you get out of my head? Get out of my head. It is dangerous in there. You should not be there, Valerie. Don't go there. You'll get hurt. It's a crazy place. I just heard the Long Island Railroad coming. To, there it is. There's the train. I got to go. That's my ride. You guys know I'm right next to the railroad here and, and the train. There it is. They're on time today. There it is again. Yes. That's the 202, everybody. Just in case you're trying to keep your, maybe you're trying to set your watch. I haven't worn a watch in two years. I kind of put it on the shelf back in March of 2020. Uh, Cause I'm always at my desk here in the attic. All right. So let's do this. This show, it was an idea like anything else that happens in the real world came out of, yeah, I guess came out of the ether, went into Valerie's brain. And then Valerie said, I want to do a show. And I said, let's do a show. And that happened back in September last year. I don't know, 25,000 people checked in over the, you know, the, uh, that four or five months of last year to see what was going on. So we're excited about that. How do you check in? Well, you can check in on Facebook, talking alternative broadcasting. I actually have that up in one of my monitors so we can interact. If you want to say funny things, I can say funny things back to you. Or if you have questions for our guest, somebody just sent me an email. Apparently I must have a question for our guest right there. If you have questions for our guests, or if you forgot to turn off your notifications, do that now. But uh, if you have questions for Jesse or Valerie or Tommy D, you can always check in on Facebook. That went really well on my other show on Friday, Philanthropy and Focus. A lot of people was very engaging with the community during the show. Uh, you can also check us out on talk, uh, talkradio.nyc. And, um, the, you know, then after the fact, if you want to tell your friends, tell your friends, tell your friends, let me finish. If you want to do that, tell your friends about our show. They can always go to iTunes or Spotify I think we're just below um, the the Joe Rogan experience and popularity. So I would just, <laughs> so if you're, <laughs> I love Joe Rogan, by the way, you know, forget about all the controversy, great show, long platform, long format show, three hours. And you're, you can go from anywhere from learning about science to talking about aliens and then talking about mushrooms, whether they be magical mushrooms or just regular old mushrooms that you put on a salad. But that's not that show. or <laughs> That is that show. That's not this show. What do we do here? We want to amplify the message that the bond between us as human beings and the other species is incredibly important. But that's not only the bond between us and animals, but it's the bond between those of us who are compassionate and care about our animal creatures that are on this planet and share this planet with us. So today we got a super exciting guest, super exciting story. We're both standing. Neither one of us, I'm watching, if you're watching on Facebook, has really stopped moving so it's very funny because I was watching Jesse Langell and me, and we were both standing at our desk and moving around a lot. So 
So um, I don't know. Take your Dramamine if you're watching the show. So Jesse's here with us today. I'm going to introduce Jesse, give his background. He's going to tell us the story about a specific case he's working on. He's an attorney. I'll read his background in a second. But before I do that, and before we even say hello to Jesse, although I'll, I'll sneak one in. Hi, Jesse. Tommy, such a pleasure to be with you and Valerie. I love the intro. <laughs> Thank and you. I can see that you're just soaking this all in. I'm, I'm currently the president of the Toastmasters, and I have to also orchestrate the group, start the meeting off, and you reminded me of myself. I love it. I love that's a That's a heck of a compliment. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank Not you. saying I'm some pro. I'm just saying I love the limelight is also, also in that entertainment factor, which you are doing so well at. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that, man. We'll have a lot of fun. And we did meet. We've never actually met in real life in person. We met through video socials, our friend Vic Rajan, that whole thing. Maybe we get into it. So I'm going to give you some background on Jesse. But before I do that, really the visionary, my, my mentor in all things animal advocacy, my comrade, my buddy, my pal, Valerie. What's up, Val? What's going on? Tell the people what you're doing and what this is all about. Uh, uh, hi. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, it, well, it's really simple. Um, you know, I really just believe that animal lovers in general love other animal lovers. And if we want to help each other, we should do so in any way we can. So let's take, for example, Jesse, Jesse's a lawyer that's here today. He, who is also, um, it's it's uh, debt consolidation, Jesse, that you're doing. So I do a lot of collection defense, mostly post judgment. Okay, so what he said. But the point is that if there's anyone who needs a referral for this type of work, if there's any company or or someone pursuing that needs um, advice from an attorney in this realm, all things being equal, saying you know, do you want to use this attorney versus that attorney? Jesse is fighting for the animals. So as an animal lover, you know, whether it's getting a slice of pizza or whether it's buying real estate, we want to support through our actions in consumer dollars, those people in business who are doing good things for the animals. So wow. that's really what this is. We're, we're building a compassionate network and we're highlighting rescues, people out there advocating for positive welfare legislation reforms. And so Jesse's just one of those many people, but again, we're looking to support those people. So thanks for tuning in and being a part of this. Awesome. Thank you, Valerie. Real quick. I'm going to, we're going to introduce Jesse, do a little background bio, the whole thing in a second, but I want to just make a quick shout out because I have to do this because so first guest on the show was a gentleman by the name of Reno Di Maria, Joanne's pizza. The name of the program was Puppy Mill Thugs, which is such a bad A word title for a show. And it was a good show. So for my birthday, which was last month, Valerie sent me a pickle pizza from Joanne's Pizzeria in Roslyn, New York, not too far from the attic. You also sent me, Val, by the way, thank you. I'll say it like I already said it, but I'll say it here. Thank you. But you also sent a regular pie over that day. And we call it's a funny story. Here's a story. I call it a pie. You guys want to order a pie? You want to order a pie? I had a friend of mine from New England, a guy from Boston who comes through and he goes, what'd you say? You can order a pie? I go, yeah, we're going to order a pie. You hungry? He's like, we're going to order like an apple pie, like, uh, you know, like a blueberry pie. I go, dude, what are you talking about? He goes, what do you do? I said, I'm talking about pizza. He goes, no, nah, no, nah, bro. We call it za. And I go, no, dude, no. We, like, what are you even talking? Shout out to, to Justin. I haven't talked to you in 
I don't even know, 10 years, but it's, that's what a pie is. I was on a phone with somebody the other day. I said, I'm going to order a pie. They understood what I meant. Anyway, that's what we say here on Long Island. Um, Val, well, you sent me a regular pie that day as well. And my kids now have ordered from there like three times because their regular pie compared to where I get my pizza over here in the neighborhood. Well, I don't want to say it was better because I love my local pizza shops too, but we were really digging the regular pie that uh, we got from, from, from Reno. So since we brought, since you bring these things up, it makes me think about it. You know, we, we now support Reno because he's out there supporting the efforts that we're about. So perfect example. And if you haven't tried that pickle pizza, I'm not sure what you're waiting for. Um, call Joanne's Gourmet Pizza in Roslyn and they will hook you up. And it was like ridiculous. Like I was, it was like a big old slice with pickles. and yeah. Shout out to Reno, definitely. But also like, again, it's the ripple effects like we talk about because so, you know, here it is years ago, I met Reno at an anti-puppy mill protest. Fast forward, he's the first guest on our show. He brought us the co-guests, if that's a term, that day. Because of that, you visited a rescue with your son. You're, yes. you know, it, yes. It's just incredible how much awareness and how, how one thing leads to another. So that's what we're going to continue yep. doing here. Right on. And that's just the stuff you and I do, not to mention who does what outside of the things that we don't even know. So right. let's talk about this. So Jesse and I met through, and again, we never met in real life, and hopefully we will someday, but I, I, we always sort of liked each other. And I don't know where I saw something post up. I say post because I saw something in the post, the New York Post, and I don't read the New York Post. It must have come up in my email or I don't know on a stream. And I was like, dude, I know that guy. I know he's like in the post. I got to talk to this guy. See, I go, Val, you got to talk to Jesse. He, he's doing this thing, this subject matter that I think would be great on our show. So let me do a little background. I'm going to let Jesse then introduce himself. Then we'll take a quick break. Then we'll come back and tell the story. So what, who is Jesse Langell? He is a lawyer who's taking action against meat suppliers for making factual claims or, or wants them to be making factual claims in advertising and in labeling and asserting this term humanely raised, which we will dive into today. He earned his bachelor's degree from Arizona State, earned his law degree, his JD from NYU, New York Law School, right? And then uh, his master's in taxation, so tax law from uh, New York New York Law School as well in 2013. Started his career, malpractice cases, representing uh, patients and babies in cases, in, including birthing injuries, traumatic brain injury, shoulder dystocia. And uh, he learned quickly that he wanted to be independent and, and started representing consumer debtors. But take this in, into a little bit further. His practice area, he goes back to school, learns about taxation and he, I will tell you, I got to ask him this today because I, I knew coming into this conversation, this dude, and I mean that with all due respect when I call you a dude, but this dude reads like, I know the word, I, voraciously, I think is the word people use when they speak about reading, but like I, I am, I love to read, but I'm not real quick at it. But Jesse was doing these videos where I was watching what he would do, he'd read a book and then basically give me the Jesse's notes in a video and like, bah, 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 bah. here's why the book is good. Bah, 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 bah. And I actually, there was something when I was Googling him the other day, or actually I was Googling a book the other day. I think it was, uh, I think it was a Tim Ferriss book. Cause I think I emailed you about this, the four minute, what is it? The four hour work week. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't even know what like the 40 hour work week is like anymore. So I got to read that book, but there was like a whole thing. Jesse has a video on Amazon promoting this book. And I was like, this is my guy. So here's what he, he's talking about books, right? He immersed himself in animal rights law, reading Sapiens, Meatonomics, and listen to the title of this one, 
why we love dogs, eat pigs, and wear cows. So what we're going to be talking about today is humane washing. What he's showing the book. Show me the books. This is what he does. This is the book. Author is Melanie Joy. Can you see that? Yes. Probably the best book I've read on introducing us to what's actually happening and the psychology behind the cognitive dissonance of why we've been tricked to thinking that it's okay to kill these animals by the billions and eat them under these conditions. Yeah. Brainwashing, right? It's a form of brainwashing. It's called psychic numbing. It's actually a form of detachment. These are psychological maneuvers, which we'll get into. Yeah. But this area has so many good books, guys. I'm going to give you a, a slew of recommendations towards the later end of the hour. I know we got to take a break. We're, we're going to take a break, break in a second, but I'll tell you, you know, Jesse, the thing is, I'm just, it's coming to Valerie. And you know what, Valerie, when I hear it, when it's in my mind, I just say it most of the time if it's appropriate. But I think there might be a PALS book club, a recommended reading list, bah, 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 right? Something like that. I know you're actually, you're in a new community and you're in a book club already. And I was like, how did you get in a book club? And you said Facebook's good for that, right? Or something yeah. like that. Right. So, so let's talk about that psychic numbing. I mean, it, it, you know, the uh, funny is the wrong word, but the interesting thing is in some parts of the world, and I know Valerie knows very well about this, they, eat dogs and in our part of the world dogs are part of the family so talk about psychology that's an interesting thing hopefully we get into that today we're going to be right back we're going to take a 90 second break we'll go to commercial valerie and i are here jesse langell is here we're going to dive into this story we'll be right back this is pals are you a business owner do you want to be a business owner do you work with business owners Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.
Welcome back, my pals, to the show called Pals. What's going on, everybody? Tommy D, Valerie's here, Jesse Langell's here. Talked about Jesse at the beginning. They're really an attorney who is so focused on advocating and educating us on the welfare of animals and, and really some of the psychic numbing of what we're experiencing. So, Jesse, take it away, man. We're going to have questions, but I feel like I could give you the baton and let you take it away and let's, let's dive into this conversation, please. Sure, sure, sure. Tommy, first off, you're such a natural at this, man. You are the next, I don't want to say Rush Limbaugh, because I don't know your political leader, <laughs> but somebody that gravitational, you were it, Tommy. Oh, thank you, bro. Appreciate that. That's awesome. Thank you. You're very welcome. So yeah, so how did I get into this? I'm a trained litigator. As you stated so succinctly earlier in the show, I've been practicing about 15 years. I've had my own law practice for about 13 or so, maybe a little bit less. And I really love what I do. I help consumers out of really bad situations in the context of bank restraints and wage garnishments. And this consumer collection debt defense practice that I speak of was born out of the Great Recession. So right around the 2008 area, while I was transitioning from medical malpractice that you referred to, I wanted to be independent. So I started looking for volunteer opportunities. I kind of stumbled into this volunteer program at court and I noticed how badly these consumers were being treated, kind of like the animals being treated now. So I guess there's a little bit of an analogy there. And I just saw the deficiency of the evidence on the plaintiff side in this area of law. I said, let me jump out on my own, put together some Craigslist ads, got some clients, did some direct mailings, got a little bit off the ground, got a website off the ground, put a lot of content out. So here I am about 13 years later, and for about the last 10, Tommy and Valerie, even though I really enjoy what I do, I find it rewarding, I've been searching for something a little bit more impactful from a personal fulfillment standpoint. And by the way, I am standing here, I'm at my treadmill desk, which I do encourage everyone to get if you haven't thought about a treadmill desk, up your step count, 20, 30,000 steps a day. Wow. But yeah, no, it's incredible. That's, uh, that's what Ariana Huff also got, I think, from, from Huffington Post, Huff Puff. She, she was having health issues, and she got a, a comparable desk, I believe, and she, she's doing much better. Uh, you know what happened to me last night? I'm in a meeting last night, right? And I happen to be seated while I'm in this meeting. And one of my, my buddy Machen, he sends me a message in the chat. He goes, dude, he goes, I don't think I've ever seen you sit down before. And I go, you know what? I was actually <laughs> getting into some work like during the day, and I sat at my chair. But like, for the most part, I'm on my feet. There's something to be said energetically, obviously yeah. for your health, but energetically to, to project. Yeah. And when you're speaking versus being slumped over, I have not gone to the treadmill, but I, but maybe I should, maybe I I they say sitting is the new smoking. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But um, Jesse, just getting back to what you were saying, like, Sure. So when you were searching for something to fulfill that personal side, did you did you have any inclination to fight for the animals or was it just suddenly something hit you like a brick? Sure. So that first seed, Valerie, was planted about, about 2019, late 2019. When I read this book, Sapiens, that Tommy referred to, which was also referred in my New York Post article that Tommy referred to, that I'll talk about in a second, but there's a chapter in here Chapter five, it's called History's Biggest Fraud. Mm. History's Biggest Fraud. And he goes into meat agriculture and even has a picture that stuck out in my mind. It's this picture here. I know the folks on the podcast can't see it, but you two can. It's that calf 
locked in that little like wooden cage and he talks about how they're bred to be confined so they literally can't move or stretch their muscles so they're so their meat is pink because that's how the consumers want. They want pink underdeveloped meat. It just struck me. Mm. That chapter in the book struck me so deeply that that was the first seed that I knew something was drastically wrong in meat agriculture. So that's about late 2019, early 2020. And that is the chapter that stuck out in my mind. And then fast forward a little bit after having taken a break from reading, Tommy mentioned, I like to read a lot. I do like to read a lot. I do have a YouTube channel out, I review books. But I needed a break, so I let the brain rest and immerse myself in the practice. And then I started to watch a few documentaries. Ah, yes. Which ones? Which ones? So first we started with Game Changers. I never saw that one. Check that one out. That I one is, that one is about how vegan athletes they're like they're like beasts right like animal like i so i was seeing a cardiologist this is right before covid you know because in your 40s when you have chest pains and you actually have people that responsible like need you to be alive you know you're not irresponsible you go see the cardiologist which so anytime you know you walk off a lot of other stuff but when your chest hurts you go that's the widow maker i gotta get just checked out so i was seeing this cardiologist and he turned me on to that particular film jesse where like these these people are like shredded and they're, they're, they're vegan, right? Exactly. So the premise of the program was that vegan athletes were outperforming the meat eaters, mm-hmm. essentially debunked the protein myth. We're going to mm-hmm. talk about that today. I'm sure the protein myth, why people think they need the meat to perform well biologically. And the science just isn't there to support that, even though culturally we're hooked there's some points in the history of humankind that yes, we needed to rely on meat when the plants weren't there. But a book like this, by the way, Meat Hooked, Meat Hooked is a great book that I'm reading now that talks about the science behind the macronutrient makeup behind meat and why you can find it in other areas and also why meat is worse for you because yeah, you might get a little bit of protein, a little bit of iron, a little bit of B12 out of the meat. But you're also getting the trans fats, the saturated fats, and the dietary cholesterol. So the net effect principle is that it's worse for you. Okay. So what the health I saw, I'm sorry, game changers I saw, what the health was very good. I don't know if you saw that. I think I did. That basically exposed the collusive efforts by all the industries to yes, I saw that. The, the real information. You know, is that the one too, Jesse? What the health? And a lot of these were on Netflix. You know, not that we're promoting Netflix, but if you don't know what that is, that's a streaming service. <laughs> but, but there, a lot of those are on Netflix. But um, they, that is that the one where you go down to Carolinas and they show the amount of of uh, methyl gas that the that these animals, these livestock, are producing, which actually is negatively affecting the environment. And not that we don't want the animals to be there, but they're not necessarily there naturally. They're there because we breed them just to eat them later on. And then all of their, I'll just say the word, farts are <laughs> affecting our environment. I think that's what the health, if not, are you familiar with that whole thing? Yes, sir. So what the health, similar to Cowspiracy, I believe it's the same documentarian. Okay. If I'm not mistaken, also similar to Seaspiracy, which is same concept, different documentarian. But yes, they expose the concept of What's really causing the climate change? Methane emissions, as you alluded to, mm-hmm. there were questioning heads of industry and the heads of these 
um, these nonprofits that allegedly look out for the environment. And then when confronted by these issues of meat agriculture that disproportionately affect the environment when compared to even things like transportation, they were silent. They couldn't really answer it. So it's just you know, a lot. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Abel. I also want to mention that um, I had a neighbor. Um, she was a lovely girl. She actually drove around on her Jeep. She had bumper stickers and, and signage that promoted all of these movies, right? And, and like Food Inc. and um, Forks Over Knives and all of that. And, you know, she, she was 100% vegan. I'm sure she still is. But the point is, we had a really great conversation one day. She came over and she made a point that I had never considered or thought of before. But it's really sad if you think about it. She said the other factor that people don't realize by when they're purchasing like beef, chicken, pork, whatever, is that the people who are working in these facilities are often depressed, suicidal. They don't know what else to do. Like they need a job. They need to put food on their table. And this is a, a big factory in their hometown area and jobs are limited and all of that. And, and it is it is, can you imagine being the person who's in charge of prodding an animal to their death because you need a paycheck? Yes, I, I found that to be really a very profound point, honestly. Such a profound point. They develop PTSD. It's so mm -hmm. traumatic. These death-saturated slaughterhouses are so traumatic, they can't get over it again. It's literally yeah. the worst place on planet Earth you can find yourself working. So not only are they in this environment developing these hideous diseases like PTSD and carpal tunnel syndrome, because all they're doing is they're sitting on a factory line just cutting meat all day. Sometimes they're chopping their finger off. Sometimes they're developing wrist injuries yeah. and other horrific injuries. As a matter of fact, Melanie Joy in this book, Why We Love Dogs, has a chart of all these hideous injuries caused by all these barbaric and medieval devices to mutilate these animals. So and then and I want to be clear, I'm forthcoming, you know, I'm, I'm not 100% vegan, I'm not vegan. However, I am, and, and I, the reason I'm confessing this is because uh, I do consider myself to be an animal lover and some people on, if they're extreme vegan or whatever you want to call it, they will be very harsh and very judgmental to anyone who's not. They'll say, you can't be an animal lover if you're, if you're fighting for cats and fighting for dogs but then at night you go home and eat pizza. Well, okay. So I don't agree with that. However, what I do want to say is as much as everyone has the compassion for the animals, we also have to have some compassion for each other. And I think that the right approach or the best approach and the most effective is going to be encouraging people, giving them the education and information, giving them the resources and not trying to bash them over the head like with your beliefs and what you want to see them become. I think just like a religion, if I walked into someone's house and I said, you're in the wrong religion, I know you've been doing this your whole life, but it's wrong and you know, you're going to burn for it. Well, that's probably not as effective as taking a more understanding, compassionate approach and saying, why don't you take a look at this piece of literature or whatever. So I, I want to encourage, we just had impossible chicken nuggets for lunch today. I love them. I think they're better than the other ones that we've tried, whatever. But like we're making, everyone has their own personal journey. And I just want to encourage people to just be more thoughtful about what they're putting on their plate. 
No doubt. Well said. Really, really well said. Jesse, I know we got a lot to cover. We're, we're going to slip out. We're going to go to a quick break in a second. But, you know, I, I got to echo what you're saying about because it's about compassion. This show is about compassion. In fact, our awards that will be coming up, wink, wink, nod, nod. There's a little secret for you all. But our awards will be around compassion. Um, you know, it, it's about and, you know, who? shout out to uh, John DiLeonardo because John is John's a vegan, right, Val? Yeah, and John's organization goes out and saves, and John's been on our show, and it, you know saves um, fowl and uh, ducks and and chickens and wild like turkeys and not wild turkey the drink gang that's for another show, but like <laughs> turkeys who live in the wild, and um, you know, but as you shared with me, you know, John is you know he he educates people. It's not like in your face like everyone should change because again. It's like a train going down the tracks. This train has been going at this momentum for such a long time. It isn't something that's just going to go, oh, well, forget it. We're not going to do that. Not to mention the hundreds of millions of dollars and all the stakeholders and politicians that earn off of their constituents eating meat and buying meat and blah, blah, blah. And the, and the fact that we brainwash ourselves to, to say that we need this to, to Jesse's earlier point. So there's so much here to unpack and we're going to try to unpack some of it for you today and give you different options, but be compassionate with others, but be compassionate with, with yourself. I mean, I've gone ups and downs and I told Valerie, I've, you know, I've gone through raw food diets and all vegetable diets. And in fact, that we, we made a bunch of quinoa you know, just last week as a result of some of these conversations to to just get, and maybe we'll talk about those types, like, types of like ancient grains, Jesse, where we can get those that stuff. I know you're not a nutritionist, but you probably read the whole curriculum that a nutritionist would have read anyhow at this point. Are you a speed reader? Are you a speed reader? I need to know. No, but I have a trick, Tom. What is it? The trick is while you're reading the hard copy of the book, use the audible version in your ear so you could do guided reading. So you have a nice fast pace and heighten the experience of the content. I loved people to tell me stories. I love audio books, by the way. So you're saying do both at the same time. So it's yeah. all like the proctor, like read to yourself as I read aloud. Make sure you have a number two pencil. You're going to be old enough as us to remember that type of stuff, folks. <laughs> but like that, right? Yes, you do that. You will burn through books very, very quickly. I love wow. that. What Thank great you. insight. You see the stuff? Do you see, pals? Do you see what we're bringing you here? We're breaking it down. We're bringing knowledge. Jesse Langell, Valerie Heffron, and your boy, the nonprofit sector connector, right back. 90 seconds, pals. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauber, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. 
On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. This is Tommy D. <laughs> Professional serving community. This is Pals, Professionals and Animal Lovers Show, talkradio.nyc. Valerie, I know you always have the really thoughtful questions. You know, my questions sometimes are like, I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I want ask, take, take over and, and ask these questions that I know from an advocacy perspective, from your lens. You, I'm you're... really just super interested in learning. I refrained from Googling this. I think I have an inclination. However, um, I'm really interested in learning more about the term humane washing. Sure thing. First of all, you guys are a great duo. I love your style. You build off each other. Oh. And Valerie, so I agree with what you said earlier about this being a personal journey. And I want to remind your or tell your audience that I was a meat eater until October of last year. And I only got so hard and fast into this after I discovered the meat products on the shelf that relate to these humane washing claims that I brought on behalf of myself, which we're going to talk about right now. Mm. So what is humane washing? Humane washing, like green washing, is advertising designed to impress in our minds the opposite of what is the truth. Mm. And the claims being something about humanely raising these animals for purposes of animal production. Mm. The vast majority of the animals that we eat are from factory farms. I'm a student of vocabulary. I'm a lawyer. You are not going to convince me that no matter how you arrange your factory farm, that that animal, I don't care if it's a pig, cow, or chicken or turkey, is humanely raised. This industry, in my view, hijacked the term humanely raised to satiate an increasing concern about people like yourself yeah. who want to do the right thing for animals. And why do they do it? Because it sells. Yeah. So that, mm-hmm. there, there was a very big controversy um, just a few years ago. I recall it was it was with the eggs, right? So people got, because of these movies and documentaries, they got turned on to the fact that all of these chickens are like living a horrible life while they're alive, um, confined to a space so small that, you know, they can't even turn around and things like that. Um, but so then there became these terms with eggs. It was like cage free. And then it was like free ranging or free, free roaming, you know, no hormones, organic, this and that. And then it got to a point where it gets confusing and I can't help but wonder if that's intentional because you think you read a package and you're like, okay, cage free. Then you find out fast forward that all that means is that 
they're confined to a somewhat larger space, but it's it's still not free roaming. And then and then, have- and then we pay a premium too. Like, and I, I, I you know, I was big time, like before we had children and, and you know, I don't, not necessarily because of it was before we had children, but maybe we have more expendable income and we'd go to Whole Foods, you know, and Trader Joe's and like these kind of spots, right? Or a spot down by where you used to live, like Jandy's out on the Island Valley, you yeah. know, where they got like organic and free range and cage free and, you know, which is nice. And you go, oh, that's nice. They, they walk around like on a farm, like, you know, and we're right. still stealing, but we're still stealing their eggs, but like they had a nice life before we ripped their eggs off. Right. But then the thing is when we, you know, then it's like, and I still eat eggs. So I, by all means, I'm not, I have not evolved through this yet. So I, I still eat eggs. So I'm going to just point it out. But in conversations like this with my friend, Jesse, it makes me think I shouldn't be eating eggs again. And, you know, we, again, we're compassionate for ourselves and for everybody else. We're not taking a stand here. We're trying to educate and give you guys opportunities and some knowledge. Um, But I, I always kind of, you know, where I can go get eggs that are like in the regular white container, you know, that is non-translucent and those might cost $2.99 or I can get the other ones that cost $8.99 for the same dozen eggs. And like I'm brainwashed into the fact that they're brown and it's a clear container and it says free range or some other term. So I know Jesse likes words. So get, and I saw you grab your paper. So take it away, Jesse. What do you think? <laughs> so these are all very, very, very good points. And I think the system is disorganized. I think that these various nonprofits that give these certifications for a fee, They have different qualifications and they do trick the consumer. And that's half the problem. Mm. Not only do they trick the consumer, but they really don't marginally improve the welfare of the animals. What I pulled, what Tommy saw me pull from my desk here, this is a chart. I'm not going to, I mean, I can put it up here to show you that there's way more X's than check marks here. Okay. Way more X's and check marks here. And what that means is that even with all of these certifications, these are third-party certifications. Now, keep in mind, the cases that I brought as a consumer were self-verified, self-certified. So they didn't even have these verifications. So, but still, all these certifications, there is no guarantee whatsoever that you will have the animals raised on pasture. They'll have sufficient exercise and socialization. You'll have no guarantee that they are bred with healthy enough genetics to encourage a natural lifespan. No guarantee they have natural weaning periods. No guarantee that male chicks won't be culled by the thousands or millions, meaning killed, keeping in mind, male chicks get put in macerators the day they're born. There's so much deception going on and you raise the issue of this cage-free stuff. There's even some companies that say, well, our chicken isn't cage-free when it's widely understood chickens don't grow up in cages. The hens that lay the eggs grow up in cages. So they play these tricks (laughs) and consumers don't know what they mean. None of us stand a chance. I think, by and large, they're almost just as culpable as the self-verified companies that don't tell us the truth because mm. they're giving this imprimatur yeah. verification of quality that's really not regulated, okay? So one thing I've really discovered during the course of these cases is that I'm going headfirst into this issue of preemption. Preemption means, well, since the USDA since the USDA had looked at the label of these meat suppliers, and they gave the green light to put them in the stream of commerce to sale, then that means that they were approved and they were safe and they were non-misleading to the consuming public. That's what I'm facing. My argument is nonsense. 
Number one, the federal law at issue doesn't preempt claims like mine. It actually furthers the purpose of the act, which is not to deceive consumers. Secondly, the preemptive clause at issue doesn't quite extend to raising the animals. See, the laws they're referring to go to the actual slaughterhouses themselves. They want to make sure that the meat isn't adulterated. Okay, the USDA, by its regulatory arm called the FSIS, the Federal, uh, uh, Federal Food Safety and Inspection Service, that allegedly pre-approves the labels, wants to make sure we're not eating adulterated or poisonous products. They're not so concerned about the animal welfare on the farms before they get to the slaughterhouse. That's so, that is so contradictory to humanely raised. I mean, that is the complete opposite of that. And, and what also, um, you know, really gets me is that, look, I don't trust the USDA. I'm just saying that out loud because one of our biggest bones of contention as an animal advocate are these puppy mills. Well, guess what? The places that resell puppies from puppy mills, the first thing they'll tell a consumer when they ask, where did you get your, these puppies from? They'll say, oh, all of our puppies are sourced from USDA commercially, commercial you know, uh, breeding facilities. They try to make it sound like because it has that stamp of approval, it's a good place. Puppy mills are a horrific place as we've gone over a few times on the show, but you know, they do have that stamp of approval. So what's the point? I mean, if those are our standards, our standards are in the gutter. Valerie, if I may add to that point, I couldn't agree with you more. The one book that really brought to my attention how much the USDA is in bed with a lot of the companies mm -hmm is this book here, Metonomics by Dave Simon. Dave Simon wrote this book. He was featured in one of these documentaries I saw, maybe it was What the Hell. And he brings to our attention that through these checkoff programs, the government actually takes some of the money from the sales and researches and endorses meat eating and dairy and all the stuff on behalf of the companies. And it could be inimical or against our interests. It's a very complicated intertwined system. Melanie Joyce says it's a revolving door. The USDA, USDA executives and these big corporations, big agriculture, they essentially swap executives. Mm. So the consumer, uh, do we stand a chance? Do we stand a chance? Here's my position. I'm a lawyer. I'll just drag you into court where the playing field is more even and we'll hash it out in court because I'll get a fair shake at court. You're not going to, you're not going to do me and, and start to, we're going to go to court and we're going to see what you got, because I already put in my FOIL request on, uh, on behalf of the USDA, I'm going to see what you got, we're going to see what you could substantiate and I'm coming at you from every cause of action, plausible in order to tag you, expose you and pay me my damages. This is our guy Val, that's our guy. Well, I know he's you're like, I want to come to the court date. I want to come to this trial. I will, I would love to be there. Jesse, and whatever I, you can talk about, is there actually a trial? Okay, I mean, we're going to go to a break in a sec or two, but tell us like what exactly tell us about the proceedings quick. Okay, yeah. All right, so these kids, these first cases I brought on behalf of myself because I was so outraged. I felt like I had the claim. I bought the product, I sustained the injury, I was heartbroken after looking into what was actually happening. I did my FOIL request, I spent time away from my law practice. The injuries were there. 
So Jesse Langell walked into court as himself, representing himself to go and prove these theories of law. And in doing so, I really hammered and crystallized the nuances that I'll need to now represent other parties, not only in these deceptive label practices claims, but also in other cases, whether they be antitrust, infectious disease, Lanham Act cases, which is a business deception case. There's a lot of different avenues, guys, that we could take to hold these suppliers and these meat packers responsible for what they're doing to us, not only for what they do to the animals, what they do to our health, and what they do to the environment. Okay. Mm. Rock on. That is incredible. This guy's got me even more fired oh, yeah. up than I usually am. I'm like more fired up than regular Tommy Jesus. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, let's go, Tommy. Let's go. <laughs> I want to, you know what, Jesse, I always wanted to be an attorney. I didn't want to go to law school, but like the badass stuff you're talking about right now, like I dig this. I want, I, whatever you can share with us down the road, I always want you to be coming back. We're, we're coming back for another segment, but I always want you to keep us up to date as to like, is that even a thing? Like, is there a way we can watch the progress of this case? And then we'll go to break after that answer. Of course, of course there is. I'm in the very beginning stages of my cases, and I'll tell you a little bit more about where we are when we return. Yeah, perfect. Awesome. All right, we'll, we'll do that. Way to, way to do a cliffhanger. This guy's a radio TV guy. Love it. All right, we'll be right back. This is Pals. Take us to break, Kyle. Join us every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern for the Mind Behind Leadership, where we focus on what leadership really means to us and to others. We have practical discussions with the CEOs of some of the world's largest companies, owners of small businesses, and experts in psychology and behavior to get that inside track, what to do, what to avoid, and what really happens. Join me, Graham Dobbin, at the new time, 4 p.m. every Tuesday for the Mind Behind Leadership, here live on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. It's Tommy D, Professionals and Animal Lovers Show. Jesse Langell is here, attorney who is currently representing himself, which if you're an attorney is okay. Um, but I know people <laughs> who represent themselves who probably should get an attorney. But anyway, let's uh, humane washing, uh, psychic numbing, which you know some people go through to try and do to themselves in their 20s. But psychic numbing, I mean, tell us about this stuff, Jesse. One promise about this show that we share with you guys every week is we will always run out of time. 
before we run out of stuff to say. So I'm actually seeing Jesse Langell as being like a correspondent that comes back to us every six weeks or so, or every time there's an update in this case and gives us a 10 minute segment on what's going on and we'll figure it out. Um, So Jesse, take us through this, by the way, Val, I see your cat ears. I do not have Rams horns with me today. What are the cat ears all about? Tell everybody real quick. And then we go to Jesse. Go Bengals. Go Bengals. All right. I think in a fight, a Ram versus a Bengal. There was an episode of Perfect Strangers where Balky Bartokamus picked the winners of the football weekly football games by could uh-huh. a bear beat a Bengal or could a Bengal beat a bear? And he won. He crushed the bookmaker that week. If you didn't see Perfect Strangers and you have no idea what I'm talking about, I don't know. Google it. Perfect Strangers, Balky Bartokamus. Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> how do we follow your case, Jesse? Jesse, how do we follow your case and stop Tommy from talking? This, this is such a fun format that you guys have going on here. It's relaxed, people enjoy it. Part of it's your personality. So the cases are in their beginning stages. So I brought these cases, I brought them all in Manhattan Supreme Court. And because I sued particular defendants, which I really can't talk about because we're in active litigation and we're t- I'm talking with their lawyers and I'm uh, close to um, resolving some of these, but because I sued some of these entities, I sued, well, because I sued most of the entities in Supreme Court for over $75,000, they removed the case to federal court. So I'm battling three of the defendants in federal court, which I love because federal court is like the cream of the crop. You're getting the best lawyering. You're getting the best reasoning from the judges. You're getting law from all over the country, which you can import from other circuits to come into the second circuit. So you're seeing really what's happening nationwide and incorporating it it into your case. So to get back to what I was saying, we're in the very, very, very beginning stages, okay? I filed a complaint. They send me either a request for an extension or we fight a little bit about this issue of standing. One particular defendant has tried to attack my case based on preemption. I shot back a response saying, that's absolutely nonsense. I have full access to my claims. I see Valerie dancing. So you have to understand litigation takes a lot of time. Now in federal court, if you have a good case, my experience is, because I used to do a lot of federal work as a, as a consumer litigator enforcing federal claims uh, that uh, against debt collectors that were doing bad things in federal uh, in, in, in the context of a federal statute that governed their conduct. Mm-hmm. But if you have a good case, mm-hmm. the defendants and their lawyers, they're inclined to resolve the cases early on because litigation costs a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I'm finding that they're coming back to me in good faith and they're trying to resolve my grievances satisfactorily within the confines of the law, okay? That's fantastic. <laughs> So just to tell you what the law is, so I sue under basically four causes of action right now. Number one is deceptive acts and practices under state law. And that basically says anything you do in the course of business that's deceptive and I suffer injury from it is actionable. I can sue you for it. Mm -hmm. The next statute is a false advertising statute, which is really the gravamen, the really the heart of what I'm getting at. I'm saying your humanely claim raised, your humanely raised claim is false. Mm -hmm. It isn't consistent with the truth. And then I add in negligence theory and a gross negligence theory on the claim that because they are misbranding the product that violates a separate state law, the agricultural and uh, the agricultural law of New York, every state has their own agricultural law. So I say that's an additional violation of your duty owed to me. Therefore, I could bring you to court. Yeah, I, you got me all riled up. And, and you know, 
I need to actually just thank you, Jesse, in the sense of, okay, I, I titled this show Jesse versus Goliath because you are <laughs> truly taking on huge entities. Now, that said, I also want to thank you because on a much smaller scale, I can personally attest to the fact that I know many people, animal advocate-wise, who who will kind of report things anonymously, whether it's through my advocacy page on Facebook privately or a text or an email or a phone call. And, and please don't use my name, please don't, because people are so afraid of retaliation and repercussions, whether it's uh, they have a business and they're afraid of people storming their business and giving them negative reviews, or whether it's they're, they're using a program of a municipality and they don't want to be cut off and or they work somewhere and they're afraid of getting fired or demoted so it takes chutzpah and a spine to stand up for something you truly believe in and i'm thanking you from the bottom of my heart and just encouraging others to do the same I don't think we've ever said chutzpah on the show, so thank you for bringing chutzpah into the chutzpah into the conversation, Jesse. So I, I want to go one step further too. What what is I wrote down all your grievances and and how do they resolve your grievances? Like how how does this thing get solved? And I don't you can't tell the future, but I mean like what do you want? Right. So it's usually a monetary settlement. And if I can succeed in having them change their labels, which is very, very difficult because that's a form of injunctive relief that I would really have to go to the mat for, but that's part of what I demand. So I demand money and I demand injunctions. I go in and I say, you need to withdraw every package you have disclaimed. And you know there are challenges for an individual plaintiff to make that kind of demand because an individual plaintiff has to prove to a court that he or she would be injured in the future by that harmful conduct. So it's a challenge for me to say, I'm gonna go in and buy these products and be harmed in the future. I have to come up with theories depicting harm in creative ways. So those are the demands, but the, they, they get settled through, through, through settlements, whether it be in monetary form or some form of injunctive relief. It's usually, well, it could be a combination. It could be one or the other, but you 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 go after both. Right, okay. Well, if I were to represent, so, so, you know, I'm in talks with a lot of the activist organizations because I just love what they're doing. General counsels of various, you know, PETA, Animal uh, Mercy for Animals and a few others. And if I were to represent one of them as an organizational plaintiff and perhaps their members, then I would have a lot more muscle. So my goal moving forward is to get more muscle. So, so you're creating a precedent, right? You're creating this precedent. There's going to be, and I, I don't know if this is the right word, uh, case law, or I'll just use the word precedent. There's going, case law might not be right, correct me, but the precedent to say, hey, I got some action here. We got to, we're actually going to close the show in two minutes, gang, so we're almost done. But I... I, there's something here. And then now you could take that. I'm Jesse. I'm that guy that did the thing. Right. And I was at the federal level playing in the big leagues. And now I need alignment with some other organizations. Right. Like that would be the next kind of step on this. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Setting precedent is a, a, every lawyer's dream. Setting precedent in something like this is every lawyer's dream. Mm -hmm. My dream. And I think I could set precedent in this area of preemption if it goes to a judge. But a lot of these Defendants don't want it to have a go to a judge because it could create bad law on their end. 
So I'm going to put you in touch with a couple of people that pop into my head. Definitely, uh, I'll we can sidebar. You like that legal term? Uh, <laughs> we can sidebar about that because I'm not sure who you know that I know. But before I forget, and I really I know we have to close out shortly, but I cannot let this episode end without wishing my husband a happy birthday. <gasps> happy best, birthday. Best happy. husband ever allows me to be me and to pursue this um, you know, journey that we're both on and and uh, is probably watching right now as well. So what's up, Barry? Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Barry. <laughs> so Jesse, how do people get in touch with you? I mean, you know, if they whether they need your legal services, whether they want just your book reviews on YouTube, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, so my book review YouTube is Jesse Langell. That's my that's my name, Jesse L-A-N-G-E-L Langell. Or they can find me through my website, the Langellfirm.com. Those are the two best areas to get in touch with me. Awesome. Listen, uh, you are not going to be a stranger unless you want to be. Uh, we want <laughs> you back. We want you to be a friend of the show and and just keep us abreast. I mean I could see you know five years from now we're having this conversation and we're gonna have a hard time getting you because you're on cnn or something like that as a correspondent you know dealing with these issues um i i listen you, the bravery you know that you know courage is not about you know not being afraid it's about being afraid and stepping in and leaning in anyway and you're 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 in, an inspiration because this is something that could make people fear fearful and talk them out of it but you've taken the initiative to do this so thank you for being our friend. Thank you for being our friend. That's like Golden Girls. Shout out to Betty White. We, we miss you, Betty White. Not that you knew me, but we miss you. Um, look, <laughs> Valerie, thank you for your vision of the show. Jesse, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for Kyle taking care of the, uh, the executive production duties here for us. And I leave you with this. In his total commitment to nonviolence, Gandhi always included the animals by stating the greatness of a nation and its moral progress can be judged by the way its animals are treated. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day. Thank you, guys. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? 
Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc.